welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Praise the Lord. Turn to Psalm 122. And we're going to get into the word here for a bit and we're going to get some equipping. I encourage you to not just wait to see what I have. Seek and see what the Lord has for you today and look beyond the physical and let the Lord um, minister to you beyond what any man can do. In Psalm 122, I wanted to start here in verse 1. Again, King David said in verse 1, I was glad when they said, let's go to the beach today. Oh, did I miss that? Oh, I was glad when they said, let's go to Vegas, man. No, is that what he said? That's not what he said. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. A lot of us heard this scripture a lot, but there's a lot of revelation here. I was glad when they said, let us go into to the house of the Lord. It's interesting here that King David, see, I always like to ask myself, who's talking when I'm reading certain scriptures in the Bible? Who's talking? Because, I mean, if this came from someone that, you know, didn't do anything in life and just kind of, you know, lazed around and it might be different, you know, but who, who, who wrote this? Well, we know it's God inspiring King David to write it, but who was King David? King David was the greatest king Israel ever had other than God himself. King David was one of the greatest warriors Israel's armies have ever seen. King David was an amazing psalmist, an anointed prophet and a multi-billionaire. Wasn't a billionaire all his life. He used to live in a cave. But you serve God properly, he gets you out of the cave and into higher places. And so I'm thinking, okay, Israel's best king, man after God's own heart, powerful psalmist, prophet of God, amazing warrior, multi-billionaire, might want to take some interest in what a man like this says. I'm very interested in the priorities of those that are spiritually successful in God. I'm very interested in the priorities of successful people. And this shows you right here that one of the priorities of King David was being in the house of the Lord. Actually, he said one time, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He loved it. He loved the things of God. He loved getting out of the wars and coming into the house of God and hearing the word of God and worshiping the Father amongst the congregation. All through the Psalms, David talks about being in the congregation and, and worshiping in the congregation and, and, and just loving God and even having struggles in the congregation with people in the congregation. But he loved the house of the Lord. And to me, that says so so much. So why would we why would we want to go to God's house? Why, why would we want to know? Why why would you want to go to God's house? Because <laughs> you've been invited. <laughs> um, who would turn down an invitation from some well-known, amazing, multi-billionaire, successful, whatever in the world? I mean, wh why why do people not like going to church? 
this is an interesting, I think they don't see that it's God's house. Obviously, if you don't see it's God's house and he's the one inviting you, you're probably going to be okay with not going. But is this God's house? It's either God's house or it's not. The Bible talks about New Testament that, you know, we didn't need to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. The Bible talks about they were in the church that was at Antioch, uh, how to behave yourself in the house of God. The Bible talks about being in the house of God, and, and this is a very important subject. We've been talking about the local church for a few weeks now. We're going to talk about a specific area in just a few minutes, but before we do that... Um, I, I just don't think people see it as God's house. I think they see it as kind of a man's thing because they see men every time they go, you know. <laughs> but what, what's going on behind the scenes? Could this really be God's house? Could you really have been summoned or invited? Could this really be a thing of God? Even though you hear a natural man's voice right now and hear natural sin, could this really be the house of God? The more you believe it is, the more you'll see that it is, and the more you receive it. Um, I wanted to, to say something. Um, I, um, I've heard this, this phrase kind of recently. I'm sure things go in circles, you know, throughout the generations. I think a lot of things just come back. We think it's new, but it's happened before. And I wanted to address this just, just briefly and there's a phrase, and I'm not really against the phrase, I'm just against the way it's being interpreted. And that's this phrase, um, well, I believe in church without walls. And the implication that I'm sensing in that is you don't really need to go to church, just, you know, get out there and, and be a church without walls. And I feel like I need to address it because I've heard it more than once from different, different uh, groups. And I was thinking, what is this church without walls? Well, I thought, what, what, what is this attack on walls these days? <laughs> what, what is this, what is this desire, this, this, almost like this unnatural desire that something about walls? We don't want no walls. Well, think about next time you go to the bathroom. <laughs> How many of you are thankful for walls when you take a shower? Please raise your hand or we're going to have a major deliverance service. <laughs> what, what, is, what is this? I mean, what is this movement that despises walls? I don't get it. God likes walls. He had Nehemiah build one. God's city where he lives has walls around it and angels stationed at the gates. There's gates so you can go in. Praise God, right? What's this movement of no walls? I don't get it. I, I wrote this down. God likes walls. <laughs> Obviously, he has people build them. And really, you like walls. How many of you like walls? I'm glad we're not meeting in the cold today. Yeah. Walls are a blessing. Walls are a place where we can recoup behind walls. How many know you need to recoup at times behind walls? So when you do go back out, you're recouped. You need walls to recoup, right? We get equipped behind walls. We get clean behind walls. Then we go out and change the world. Why can't we just add two instead of put something else down to make ours look better? Why can't we just add two? Yes, we need to go beyond these walls. But don't put down the walls. Man, that's where you get equipped. So when you do go beyond these walls, you got some power to give. 
Amen. Why can't we add to? Why do we always have to put something else down to make ours look bigger and better? Pastor, do you believe in church without walls? I believe the church should meet within the walls and then the church should go beyond the walls and be the church out there where there are no walls. But you need them both. You need the walls to get recouped, to get equipped, to get clean, to get blessed, to get empowered. And then you need to go beyond the walls and use what you got within the walls and change the world. Everybody say this. Walls, walls. are okay. <laughs> All right, we don't need to spend a ton of time on that, but I just felt like I needed to address that because we need to add to, not take away. Let's just add to the good. Um, I actually think, you know, it could be a push for no accountability and reason to not submit to authorities too. So, all right, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. See, I, I'm a pastor, and, and I say sometimes things just teachers can't say. <laughs> um... I have to pastor the people, not just teach the people. And sometimes pastoring deals with where the rubber meets the road, saying things that maybe others can't say. And it's just some of these things do need to be spoken about because, I don't know, I, I, there's just this mentality that, you know, church without walls, just, you don't need to go to church, just be the church. And well, but if you don't have any power, what good is it? And where does help come from? One, one place, the sanctuary. So Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 25. We're admonished here. Um, he says in verse 24, Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us consider one another and to provoke unto love and to good works. In what environment? What's he talking about? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. You read other translations, it brings out don't neglect your church meetings. Uh, don't, don't, don't despise, you know, meeting together as a church. And we know he's talking about church meetings because he's the one that gave pastors. He's the one that established local sheepfolds. He's the one that wanted local churches. And you know, it's interesting to me, in the book of Revelation, Jesus had no words for individual Christians. He had words for local churches that individual Christians were supposed to be a part of. It didn't say... To Susie, who lives at such and such. No, it said to the church at Thyatira, to the church at Smyrna, to the church at Philadelphia, to the church at Laodicea, to the church at Ephesus, right? Jesus, ex Jesus expected all believers to be in a local church, therefore he addressed local churches. And Jesus himself, you know, it says in the, in the book of Luke chapter 4, he said, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. This is something that was in his heart, not just somebody told him to do it other than the scriptures. And when he was found in church at 12 years old, his parents were looking for him because they had left town and Jesus stayed behind. He was in the temple with the doctors and the teachers, hearing them, asking questions, answering questions, conversing with, in church. And they, the parents finally came back and said, Jesus, we three days we've been seeking for you. What are you doing? You're 12 years old. You're a boy. What are you doing? And Jesus said, you guys didn't know I, should be, I must be about my father's business? He called going to church the father's business. So whether you realize it or not right now, you're doing something the father wants you to do. Is it always easy? No. But should we go back to the teachings on suffering? It's not always easy. We're not called to a life of honky-dory. We're called to a life of endurance. There's a lot of powers. and If everything's great, you're going with the wrong flow. 
If everything's easy and honky-dory, you're in the wrong current. Are you listening to me? Don't get me wrong. There is amazing joy and power and peace and glory and resurrection. But man, if you're going to get resurrection, there's got to be some crucifixions too, right? You're going to have to die to some stuff. You want to see life in those areas. And it's a wonderful life. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yes, there's some enduring. Yes, there's some suffering. But when you realize what it's all about, you're glad to suffer for the Lord. There's way more than just some uncomfortable feelings going on here. And in Hebrews, here, here's what we said, I think, two weeks ago. And I was so, so, so jazzed and refreshed last Sunday. Dominic's message. The Lord spoke through him tremendously. Praise the Lord. Turn around favor. If you haven't heard that, you need to hear it and send it out to as many friends as you got. But a couple weeks ago, we talked about this verse right here, and we realized, forsake, read it again, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. So he's telling us a few things here. He's saying there's going to be people who are going to forsake what their father told them right here. And, and please understand, there, there's, there's reasons to not be in church on Sunday. One of them is, you know, you're fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and you can't be. <laughs> in the wilderness, right? I mean, that's the only time I can see Jesus wasn't in church is when he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And I re do not recommend a 40-day fast. I don't, I don't recommend that. Don't just do it. We know a person who got mentally hurt in his brain because of doing that. He just thought, Jesus did it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you got to be led by the Spirit to do such things. And I have never been led of the Lord to fast anything over two or three days. He said, just live a fasted life, and you won't have to have these major episodes of fasting. Just live a fasted life. What do you mean? Instead of eating two pieces of cheesecake, only eat one. <laughs> or instead of eating one, just eat half. You know? It's, it's, it's harder to live a fasted life than it is to take two days out and fast. Um, but I wanted you to notice again, put it up on the screen, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, so gathering is good, but assembling is life-saving. Um, we, we don't want to just be, you know, I checked the box, I did my duty, goodbye, see you next week. Um, there, there needs to be a deeper relationship with the Lord's body than that. And I'm not saying that if you're not on one of these teams on the Ministry of Helps, you can't help in any other way. There's other ways you can help. You can pray, you can give financially. There's other ways to be a help to your local church. But these teams that, we, that you're going to be seeing when you leave these four doors this morning, uh, there's teams that you can be a part of. And one thing I like about the teams is it brings you even closer to the family core of the church. Um, your, your team leaders, your, your, your leaders, uh, uh, department leaders, they're there for you. They can help you. They're there for you if you have questions. If you go through a crisis, you know, pastor may not always be available, but these guys are in your life too. It's just a wonderful thing to be a part of a department in a church and let alone all the serving that you get to do. And so I just, I guess again, I just wanted to say, why, why should we be here today and why would we want to come back? Because God said to be here. I don't know how much more simple to put it. God said, I'd, I'd like you not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Anybody believe in God? <laughs> do, you believe he, do you believe he said this? Okay, so, so what I have to do personally is I have to put aside what I want. 
and ask myself, do I believe God said this? Jesus never wants church to be bondage. He never wants you beating yourself up because you missed a few services. Right? There is a reason at times to leave a local church and go to another one. <laughs> okay? I actually, I was going to teach on reasons to leave your local church, but the Lord said there's not reasons to leave your local church. There is reason to leave your local church. And that is if the head of the church says, go somewhere else. There's reasons not to leave your local church, but there's really only one reason to leave your local church. And that's if the Lord told you to. And you had scripture to back it up. Other than that, it's really interesting in the Lord's kingdom, it's almost like he doesn't want us feeling bad for not doing what he told us to do, but he does want us to realize the power of, of him. Why do you think the Lord would tell us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together? What's, what's one good reason, you think? Because he loves you and he wants you protected. Primarily from deception. The more deceived you are, the more you think you're not deceived. The more you, the, the, the more you go to church, the more you want to go to church. The less you go to church, the less you want to go to church. And the less you feel you need to go to church. It's interesting once you get on that road, what it leads you to. You become more and more convinced that it's okay to not do what God said do. All these logical reasons and excuses come, and maybe even scriptures out of context just to get your way. But friend, if God tells you to do it, it's because he loves you very, very much. And as a child at times, I have not understood why the Lord wanted me to do certain things. But I'm glad I did them. Because later I found out, oh my goodness, my life has been spared because I did what I didn't feel like I needed to do. So why, why are we here today? Let me tell you, this will help you keep you from slipping. We're here because we believe in God. And we believe what he said is real. And it's true. And it's for today. It's really quite simple. Um, Jesus loved it. He said in, in one scripture, he said, Father, my love for your house burns in me like a fire. King James says, the zeal of your house has consumed me. One translation said, Jesus said, Father, my love for your house burns in me like a fire. See, he saw what a lot of people aren't seeing. You can see the physical only and totally miss the glory and the power and the, and the God in it. I thought it was interesting that it didn't say, Jesus said this, Father, my love for you burns in me like a fire. That's not what it said. Jesus said, Father, my love for your house burns in me like a fire. In other words, you love him, it's going to be seen in how you deal with his things in the earth and your heart toward his things in the earth. The physical stuff, the natural stuff. And I know, you know, some people say, well, Pastor, you just teach a lot on the local church. Well, I see a lot of people not benefiting from the local church like they're supposed to. Some people do go to their local church, but they don't receive very much because they're not in the receiving mode. Kind of doing their duty or, or, or what, but I, I think it's time we get back to God is real. The things of God are real. The church is really his body. 
The Bible says the body of Christ is the church, and the church is the body of Christ. So really, anything we do in the church, we're doing for the Lord personally. I know it looks like you're working for the man or working for the leaders, but in reality, you're working for the Lord. And your thoughts toward the church are your thoughts toward Jesus. So, 1 Corinthians 12. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's talk a little bit more specifically about the ministry of helps in the local church. Every year that we've taught this, fresh revelation comes forth. It's unbelievable for really good things in the next few minutes here. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 27, and then we'll read verse 28 as well. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul said, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church. Everybody say, in the church. This is why God wants you in the church, right? God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, and then he goes on and, and describes how we all have different gifts, but we're all part of the same church. So, in verse 28, one of the first things I want you to notice, you know, when he talks about helps and governments and, and some other of these, he's talking about the local church, the pastoral office, actually. It's interesting how he starts listing these gifts that he's put in the church by their title, for the first three, then he lists the other two by their equipment. He lists the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, then he lists the evangelists and the pastors by what's seen in their ministries. And helps and governments has a lot to do with the local church, and diversities of tongues has a lot to do with the local church. Uh, miracles and healings have a lot to do with the evangelistic meeting, although they do overlap into the pastoral office as well. And it's interesting here because he, if you see the word helps, everybody see the word helps? Most people are in that, in that bracket right there. Most people in the church are never going to be behind a pulpit. Most people in the church are not going to be prophets. Most people in the church are not going to be apostles. Most people in the body of Christ fall into the category of helps. And, I, and before you think, well, gosh, I wish I was an apostle. Well, listen to this. Listen to this. Helps is in the same verse as apostles. Prophets, teachers, miracles. If you think helps is not important, well, if helps wasn't important, it would be in a whole different verse. It's listed right alongside the apostle. Did you, did you realize, did you ever wonder, you know, when Jesus said, they that receive a prophet in the name of a prophet are going to receive a prophet's reward? I thought that was very interesting. You can receive a prophet's reward and not even be a prophet. You can just be a helper of a prophet and get a prophet's reward. Isn't that interesting? So the ministry of helps is not a small thing. Somebody tell me, who is the helper of all helpers? Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he has come, the helper. He's a helper. Can't get much higher than the helper. <laughs> Amen. I know a lot of people think, well, pastor's going to get this amazing reward when he gets to heaven because he preaches so good. Anything good you get from me is because the Lord helped you through me. 
All right? But no, I'm not going to get a greater reward than you. Because rewards in heaven are not given according to status. They're given according to service and faithfulness in whatever the Lord prompts you to do. You think this prophet's going to have this amazing reward, you know, in heaven? And then the, the, janitor, and the, the janitor of the church can have this little tiny reward? No. Rewards are given out for faithfulness. Not for status. It's all rest on service. Did you know that I am not the only one who's going to get a big reward for serving in this church faithfully? I'm not. And if I wasn't faithful, then I'm not going to get a reward. Just like you're not going to get a reward if you're not faithful. See, we have to go beyond the natural corporation of the church. We've got to realize this is the Lord's house. This is his church, and he knows everybody in it, and he knows everything they're doing in it. I think we need to be a little more military-minded, and I think we need to be a little more reward-minded in order to, to operate in these positions like the Lord's really called us to. So, um, if you would please turn to Psalm 84. Did you all see that God set some in the church? Helps. So Psalm 84, I'm going to have to move a little bit quicker here. Psalm 84. And I want you to notice one verse here in verse 10. This is again King David. Psalm 84.10, David said, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Why would David say this? Because he saw what a lot of people don't see. You have to look up from the natural to really see what's going on. Like Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look and see. Whatever we do, large or small in our brains, whatever we do for the Lord's church has eternal significance attached to it. There's a lot of things that people are doing in this world that are poof, gone when they're out of here. Means zippo when it comes to eternity. Anything, opening a door, picking up a piece of paper, running a camera, watching God's little lambs like Josh and others, right? Whatever you do in a local church, there's eternal significance attached to it. And what you think is no big deal right now is going to be a huge deal in a few clicks from now. <laughs> Amen. We think, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need no rewards. You say that now. Wait. Just like Carla said, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. Right? I mean, another hundred years, not one people in this room will be here. So what does that mean? That means we should be thinking a little bit more about the next life than that's all about this life. There's some people living like this life will never end and it's going to end quicker than you think. 
And that's not the big deal. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you born again, right? And are you doing what the Lord told you to do? Um, David also said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's go to church. So now look at Exodus 17. This is what I really wanted to get to here. Exodus 17. And I was thinking of this last week, and I told a few people, you know, that I was going to share this, and I thought it was something we'd be sharing on Sunday. To me, this is the perfect example of the ministry of helps. In Exodus chapter 17, this um, this is when um, Joshua was fighting Amalek and um, there was a big battle going on in in the valley and um, Moses went up on a mountain and had to be the man of God up there with the rod of God in his hands and it says, let's go right to the verse 11 here in verse 11 it says, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand the leader that Israel prevailed and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Interesting. This is an interesting illustration here of the ministry of helps. Read the next verse. But Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone because they realized if Moses, if the leader's hands goes down, Amalek wins the battle and all our families are, are toast. So they realized, okay, we need help. <laughs> I mean, they're recognizing Aaron and her. They've got family. They've got cousins, uh, kids probably. They've got people on the battlefield, and, and the leader's getting weary, and they're realizing that Moses' hands don't get back up in the air. Our families are going to get slaughtered, and Israel's going into captivity, and it's over. And they needed help. How many agree they needed help? Moses' hands were getting heavy, and every time his hands got heavy and started going down, Amalek prevailed. But it says, but Moses, they took a stone, put it under him, and sat thereon, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword." So here's an interesting picture of the minute. I wanted to show this to you because it's about serving, but it's more than serving when you're on a team in Faith Heights Church. This scripture says they needed big time help. (laughs) Are you listening? But how was it translated as we read this? Well, they needed help. So what they needed was an opportunity to help. The leader. Or Moses could be like the church or the work of God in the earth realm. See, they needed help, but what did they really need? They needed opportunity to help. I don't know if you ever realize it, but the better shape your leaders are in, the better off you are. (laughs) I mean, if they're ministering to you, if they're ministering to you, wouldn't you want them in excellent shape? I know I've got leaders in my life. I want them in excellent shape. I don't want them having cares or worries about anything. Why? Because they're ministering to me. (laughs) Amen? And and this is where our church comes in. The better shape your church is in, the better ministry comes to you. Strong church equals strong ministry. 
how about even in the area of outreach? Strong church, strong outreach. One of the best things we can do for the unsaved people in our city is see to it that our church is as strong as it can be. The Lord told me that one time, actually. I was praying for the lost people in our city, the lost people in our valley. And the Lord made it very clear to me. He said, if you want to help the lost people in your city, pray for yourself. I thought this was interesting. Just the other day, I was driving down the road, and somebody came to my mind that I wanted to pray for in the church. And the Lord said, if you really want to help them, pray for yourself, because your ministry toward them can be a lot better than it is. And I will help them through you. See, I, I thought that was interesting, because if I, if I love them, I want to pray for them. But I don't know what they're believing, but I know what I'm believing. There's many times the Lord said, pray for yourself so when you minister to them, you're on a much higher level and you can help them on a higher level because you don't even know if they're going to receive the answer to your prayer or not, but you know you're going to receive the answer to your prayer. One of the best things you can do for people around you is make sure where you're, you're where you're supposed to be spiritually. And even in the church, it's like, I know, um, I need to wrap it up here. We've got a lot more we can talk about, but um, I know from personal experience that um, the more fit I am spiritually, the better this church is going to be. The more I'm doing my part in this church, the better this church is going to be as a church, ministering to the people in the church and people outside the church. And some of these things, you know, you just, you know, we can hear teaching, we can hear preaching, but Sometimes we just need to get in prayer with what we're hearing because sometimes it's just like, well, I, I did my duty. I went to church. Pastor was talking to somebody else. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go next week. Please open up. Pray about some of these things because this church is a life-saving entity in this valley. And there's a lot more we can be doing with more people on the teams in the church. And I know um, there's a scripture in the Philippians, I believe it is, chapter 2, where it says that, because you, you ask yourself, well, why, why do I need to serve? Let me tell you one, one main reason. We've already talked about a couple. Here, here's a really big reason why everybody should be serving in their church. So somebody else doesn't have to do your part. Yeah. Epaphroditus. Remember him? He was sick near unto death because of their lack of service. He was doing other people's work. He overworked himself and almost died, and the Lord had mercy on him, had mercy on Paul. He got healed, but he said, hold such in honor. We don't want to have somebody else doing our part. Number one, they get the reward that God would like you to get, but number two, then people don't burn out. And the only other option to burn out is some things just not get done. The Lord's made it clear to me that I can't do it all. I, I actually have been relieved even more recently in realizing that I don't have to make sure everything's going great in the church. I can oversee it, but um, if they're responsible for this department, that's between them and the Lord. It ain't my church. <laughs> it's between you and the Lord. It ain't between you and me. Just like my part is between me and the Lord, your part's between you. And the Lord said, just, just let it go, son. It's not going to be perfect. They're going to drop the ball like you did. They're going to miss it at times, but that's between them and me, not you and them and me. You oversee it. 
help put out fires, be there for encouragement. But really, when it comes right down to it, whoever's over the media department, that's between them and the Lord. How organized and how excellent they are. I want it to be a certain way, but the Lord said, back off. It's my church. I'll deal with them. You keep doing it, they'll never grow. They'll never see what they need to see. You need to own it. We need to own our place in the body of Christ and thank God for the opportunity to serve him and thank God for the opportunity to have rewards in the next life. Thank God for that. So I just, I encourage you, check out every helps table out there when you go out there. We've got landscaping, we've got children's church, we've got media, we've got praise and worship, we've got ushers, we've got greeters, we've got security. The list goes on and on and on. And if you're not involved in a, a church, you know, the more people that sign up, the less we have to work. And you still get the rewards. Because that's the way I believe God wants it. And, and don't, don't look at it as, as just doing something for a person. The Bible said, as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it for me, Jesus said. Wouldn't that be the same thing in the opposite? As much as you didn't do it for the least of my brethren, you didn't do it for me. Well, how do we do things for the Lord? By doing things for his church. Right? God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you've ministered to his saints and do minister. And we're praying that every one of you are diligent in these things, Paul said in Hebrews 6. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your work for the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's rewards. You're needed. People need you. Jesus needs you. And nobody can do what you uniquely can do. I've seen, we've seen too many people have to take other people's parts. And, and then we have to sometimes tell those people to slow down because they're working in this department, that department, this department, that department. And it's just, it's wonderful to know that you're doing what you were born again to do, not just going where the Lord gave you, uh, you know, access to go, but you're actually doing what you, you were born again to do. I'll close, you, I'll close with this, and we'll, we'll let you go. We'll say a prayer, because we wanted to give you time to look at the tables out there. It's not even 1130 yet, so. Um, but in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, if you're a servant in the local church, you don't want to miss this church. Hear this right now. This is save, save somebody's life. If you're a servant in your local church and you do that part well, I'm going to quote you what the King James says. I'm going to tell you what it means. They that use the office of a deacon, the Bible says they purchase to themselves a good degree and great confidence in faith which is in Christ Jesus listen closely here if we're not doing what we were born again to do it hurts our faith if we're not serving in our place like God's called us to it hurts your faith and you don't want her faith next attack when you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing in the body of Christ, in the church, the Bible says you earn a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. You want strong faith. Next time something comes against you or your children or your doggy or your kitty cat, 
Are your finances? Are your brain? How many know you want strong faith? The enemy, I'm telling you, the enemy, he is trying so hard to get people away from things that build their faith because he's planning another attack. He actually makes you feel like it's okay until his attack comes. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 